Hello world, we're here live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, today on the 29th episode of the Felixer uh, Fuel Talk podcast, we are here with Sherry Archibald. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for being on the show. Um, just a quick little intro to Sherry. She's an endurance athlete, personal trainer, and endurance coach. Uh, on the ride over to the coffee shop today, um, we, I, I was able to, to learn a little bit more about her passions as as uh, she's gonna be sharing with us. So, just some of her uh, personal um, achievements um, over the past couple years. Uh, in 2014, she did the Ironman Lake Placid. In 2013, she did two Ironman 70.30 finishes, achieving all-world athlete status. Two 1.5-mile distance swims, multiple century bike races, half and whole marathons, sprint triathlons, duathlons, obstacle races, my gosh. <laughs> Three 400 plus miles, bike treks through the Rocky Mountains, uh, and a platinum status at El Tour de Tucson in 2015. Um, so I think we have a, a, a little bit to talk about here. Um, so let's, um, let's start off with a little bit about you and who you are, where you come from. Uh, we, we always like to kind of learn a little bit more um, on the personal side of, of the person. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about you and, and your background. Um, I'm from New Jersey. I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada in February um, because that following May I was getting married to my awesome husband who's sitting next to me. Yeah. Um, who I actually met on one of those 400 mile rides in the Rocky Mountains um, several years back. Um, I've kind of been some sort of endurance athlete my entire life. Um, just, I mean, even at four years old, they were trying to take the training wheels off of my strawberry shortcake bike, and <laughs> my um, mom put me on my brother's 10-speed, and I took off, and she's chasing me down the road, and <laughs> they're realizing that nobody really needed to teach me to ride that bike anyway, because I was already gone. Um, and that's kind of been, like, the story of my life ever since. It's just, like, I kind of would pick athletic things up a little bit easier, probably, than the average person, and um, literally run with it. Um, I'm, at 12, I, I pulled my mother's Arnold Schwarzenegger um, workout Bible up to my bedroom. And so what? So it was, <laughs> hold on, let's go. Let's go back a little bit. Here. I know this is good. So first of all, uh, how did that book end up in your mother's, um, you know, okay. home? Right. Good point. So my parents, my dad, even to this day, I mean, he's pushing 70 and he has always worked his butt off for everything, whether he had to or not. And it's kind of instilled itself in us as a family. Okay. Um, my mother, as long as I can remember, was doing like Jack Lane or Jane Fonda in our living room as like a little kid. Like she just was all about being healthy and taking care of herself and taking care of us. And um, I think I just from being in the atmosphere, it just kind of instilled itself in me and I just wanted to be strong and healthy and I loved eating my vegetables uh -huh. and I didn't care about Halloween candy, you know, wow. I just, probably not the normal kid. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, 12. I so was you like, saw the book? You yeah. saw the, okay, and then... I was like, well, mom does this and I want to be strong and I... Probably part of it was I was a fear, fearing I was going to get beat up when I hit high school at 13. So I was like, well, if I'm strong, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. So, 
I dragged the book upstairs, I drug all her weights up to my bedroom, and I just started to teach myself the strength train. And um, like uh, Pablo said, I'm a personal trainer still at almost 40, um, so it, it's just been a way of life for me, uh -huh. and I seem to have surrounded myself with that kind of atmosphere always. Yeah, yeah. What, can you share a little bit about um, actually the story behind how, how you met Scott? Okay, yeah. So, I... Um, I was part of a triathlon team back in New Jersey, yeah. um, basically a beginner team, and I was surrounded with um, all kinds of different levels of athletes, and we had three coaches, a swim, a bike, and a run coach, and Steve Hubby was my cycling coach, and after a few short rides with him, I realized he had Parkinson's disease, which just kind of propelled me um, into wanting to help him in some way possible. And I learned of um, the Davis Finney Foundation for Parkinson's, um, and Steve, you know, worked in conjunction with them, and they're teaching people to live a good life, um, not like just finding a cure, but to live well with the disease. Um, most people with neurological diseases like MS and Parkinson's have, Parkinson's have to continue to exercise to maintain a healthy way of life, more so than just anybody else. The more they exercise, it could be detrimental, and then the less they exercise, it could be detrimental. So it's finding a happy medium. Um, anyway, through doing um, a ride back in Jersey um, for Parkinson's disease, we raised money for Steve and for the Davis Finney Foundation. Um, I got an invite to the Davis Finney um, Foundation team, um, the Victory Crew, to ride on a, uh, a ride that's only a a lottery entry okay. called Ride the Rockies okay. and it's usually around 400 miles on average every year through the Rocky Mountains. It's insane, that's awesome. Over several mountain passes and it averages around 30,000 feet of climbing over six to seven days. So at first they asked me and I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, <laughs> and then I sat on it and thought about it for probably a couple months and then I emailed back and I was like, is there any way to still get into this? And she's like, actually, no. Um, we have no more slots open. It was the first time Davis Finney had done this ride. And she had only like, I think like 11 slots and they were filled. So I was like, okay, no biggie. Literally, like a week later, she's like, I have two slots that opened up. People canceled, you're in. So like not even knowing at the time if I could pay for it, I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I shipped my bike, I shipped myself and everything I needed to, to out to Colorado and um, stayed with my brother and went on this ride. And this is 2012 and Scott was on my team and I met him then um, relatively briefly. But a couple years later, went back out to the ride again and Scott and I, um, I should back up a second. In okay. 2012. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, go, you gotta do it the right way. <laughs> I, I chuckled at the brief. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll explain why it's brief. Because I'm from New Jersey, and yeah. a lot of these people are from out west, so they ride in elevation. I'm at sea level in New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Jersey is all hills, and I am a huge hill climber, but not in elevation. So. We're at like day one, I think we were in Carbondale, Colorado, and we go to leave and it's me, my coach, Steve Hubby, Scott, and this woman, um, friend of ours, Carol Bells, and we all go to leave town together and we're going and they're going and they, they keep going and they keep going and I'm like, huh, 
guess I'm riding alone. <laughs> I couldn't keep up. So that's why I said brief. So, you know, lo and behold, like a couple years later, I am a much stronger cyclist. And Scott and I were again on the same team with a huge number of people now because this thing has just gotten so much bigger. And um, we just always wound up together. We were just the same speed or the same pace. And he'd blow me away on a flat, but I'd drop him on a hill climb. So we just wind up together. And we actually became really great friends. And that was pretty much it. You know? Awesome. Yeah, and it just Very cool. one thing led to another. Man, so you guys met in, in between 400 miles of just climbing and awesomeness. suffering. <laughs> yeah. And some people call it awesomeness. Yeah. That's, oh my that's gosh. That's good. That's good. Just pure so beauty. I'm curious, how did you um, how did you improve your 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 riding in such a short amount of time? Because you said in the, the first ride you, you got dropped, and then all of a sudden now you're, yeah. you're doing well. So what did you do? So I guess back in. Um, I didn't even have a road bike. I would ride my mountain bike on the road like it was a road bike. Okay. <laughs> Until one day, like, I ran out of gears. And I'm like, I need more gears. There's not enough gears. So a friend of mine was like, you need a road bike, Jerry. Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, what's that? So I got a road bike. It must have been 2010. And so it was kind of new for me still in 2012, never mind riding 30,000 feet through the Rocky Mountains. Like, that's crazy and I was good on hills but I just didn't have the experience so um, and I'll tell you what I trained for it I mean I was doing hill repeats after hill repeat and pace line and just everything that as a personal trainer and as an athlete and from friends of mine I just knew to do okay but I think just you know you put yourself around the right group of people uh-huh. and my way has always kind of been I'm gonna ride with people that are gonna be better than me um, because they're going to drop me and it's going to bother me because I'm competitive so I'm going to ride harder and I think that's what I did unintentionally it just kind of organically happened and of course there's also Strava and 2012 I joined Strava so I came off that ride the Rockies on a mission and I was just cleaning up New Jersey with like segments I'm like <laughs> queen of this queen of that <laughs> So it, it, yeah. I think that was a that played a huge role in it also. Are you still using the Strava? Totally, yeah. Yeah. It's different out in Vegas though. Like it's so much harder. There's so yeah. many amazing women cyclists out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you own any any um, KOMs or, or or QOMs? I think I have a few out here. Yeah. I'm working on it. Oh wow. Okay. I'm in the top yeah, ten usually. Well, people but... are gonna start gunning you now. Oh my gosh, it's I know. Out there. I should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. You know, you know, one question I, I forgot to ask you is, how did you even uh, meet your bike? Like, how did you start? I, I, I know, I know you. You met your first one was the. Um, you said you were you're trying to take the training wheels off of your. Um, what, what did you call it? Stra bike. Yeah, strawberry shortcake <laughs> bike. But how did you um, actually get into more of like a performance cycling? Um, probably through triathlon. Um, okay. I just, I didn't, I never had any way of knowing whether I was a good cyclist or not until I started to um, do triathlon and I was now racing against people and practice runs and stuff and I was beating the guys and I'm like, wow, I'm actually kind of good at this whole thing, you know? Okay, okay. So, um, that's when I, like, that was a great bike, but then I went from there and then I built my next one. And I was all in love with these Bianchis until, mm -hmm. this is a good story, I came out to Vegas to visit Scott. Uh -huh. 
and I rented a bike and it was a specialized event and um, from Las Vegas Cyclery. Yeah. We went for a ride and I've never ridden something, a bike in my life that fit me like that bike. Really? And it was like I immediately was faster. Jeez. We changed up the um, off the rack, the crank set, and everything. And I came out to visit Scott again in November. And did you drop him again? Only on the yeah. hills at that time. <laughs> at that time, it was only the hills because he could he creams me on the flats because uh -huh. he's like a freight train. Uh huh. So he surprised me with Avenge for my birthday last year. Nice. And, um, He's regretted it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> like for many birthdays. Yeah. It's a birthday for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, so right, right now you uh, your focus, your career is into personal training. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, can you give us a little background into how you started that and kind of like what, sure. what, your, what that path looks like? So ironically, um, you know, I would say, I've said to you guys about how healthy and fit I've always tried to maintain, but you know, like most people, I went through a stint, and this was in my 20s, where it was way more fun to party and to bartend and to, you know, have a good time, and I stopped going to the gym, and I figured, oh, whatever, I fit, I'm fine. Yeah. Well, I put on 41 and a half pounds in a blink of an eye from not working out and not taking care of myself. Wow. And... Um, it was a shock of a lifetime and I went to the gym and I did what I knew to do to um, lose the weight and what I didn't know at the time was I was putting on muscle and the scale was going up and that was why. It wasn't because I was getting heavier, it right. was due to muscle. Okay. Um, so I got upset and I stopped going and then I went to buy jeans and I realized what size my jeans were and I was like, it was another rude awakening so I joined a different gym made very good friends with the owner and the personal trainers and just had the most beautiful like little nucleus of support there and I dropped 20 pounds really quick had to work for the next 20 and I think I, I lost an additional eight that I didn't intend to lose um, but through that process I realized you know I should be a personal trainer because of how much I actually enjoyed the process and what it taught me and um, just, what did you enjoy about the process? I just like, okay, I learned little things. And this is, we're talking, I was 30, so a good 10 years ago. Um, I learned that if I could go to the gym, and I'm not saying anybody should do this, <laughs> because I'm sure there's research out there that supports this, might not always be the best idea. But if I went to the gym on an empty stomach and started lifting, I would put myself into a fat burning zone and just basically be crushing fat and not have my body be worrying about, this is what I thought at the time, um, you know, sugars and all the other stuff. That, uh -huh. I just didn't understand it, but in my mind it was working, you know, and that was fascinating. And the fact I couldn't lose the last couple pounds and a girl said to me, stop drinking wine for two weeks and see what happens. I dropped eight pounds in those two weeks just by not drinking wine, and um, it's just that, that kind of stuff was so awesome, and the support that came with it, and the fun, it was so much fun to me, um, and getting back to like probably how I was as a child, you know, like always running, always biking, always doing that stuff, um, it just kind of 
So, so, so for you, it was a little bit more of a, like experimenting with you know how your body was reacting to different types of techniques you were kind of implementing in your in your daily training or yeah. you know with food and yeah. going off of you know not drinking wine, um, fasting cardio, which is yeah. So like like fa fasted trainings are, are like kind of a thing now. There's like, they a, like are. there's a lot of research around it and yeah, and yeah. We won't get too much into it, you know, but right. but yeah, that that's definitely. Um, we actually have something coming up on our blog that's that's around uh, facet training. Awesome. Um, but yes, okay. So so the experimentation kind of you. Well, I guess your personal life and, and the personal process of how um, you started seeing improvement in your your physical aspects yeah. um, of sport. That whole process led you to digging, you know, further further uh, exploring. Um, a career of personal training, right? right? Um, what have you seen in terms of your clients? Like, you know, I, I don't know. What's what's that? Um, what's that environment like? Having because it's one thing to observe your personal process yeah. um, and keep track of that, and yeah. you know, you know what your mental state is, so you know what gets you motivated. Um, have you been able to translate that experience and that process into? other yeah. you know your clients yeah I have I mean you always have people I think as a personal trainer that and no offense to anybody but they expect a little more than they're actually willing to give you so they want results but they don't really want to put the time in so they're a little bit more challenging but then you have other people um, I have this girl right now that I've been training for I think six months her body fat percentage has dropped I think a couple points um, a couple of full percentage points um, as well as weight it's a as, lot. as well as muscle definition like she's so excited she'll be sitting in class she's in college and she'll have her arm up on the table and she'll notice she can see her <laughs> bicep and like you know somebody else might think this is like silly but to her she's like I got muscles and like she, and, like I'm like aren't you supposed to be paying attention in school she's like I know but do you see me <laughs> I know you're amazing and that to me is like the most rewarding part of what that's I huge do. yeah I mean you're changing someone's life yeah yeah, yeah. for and positive yeah it's just and like I've worked in the past with people that either have health conditions or maybe they're training for an event or there's so many variables of the type of person you may want it working with but the reward that I as a person get from this is what drives me you know? What is the, the most or the biggest challenge that you have with working with humans? With other humans? humans? Not that I don't know if you work with any other species. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, is it is it the um, the mentality that people have? Um, is it their their habits? Is it breaking habits? You know, what what type of challenges do you run into as being a personal trainer? And and trying to get to those like you know those results. You know, everyone yeah. wants results. Everyone wants to like. I guess trying to, to it's super challenging to make it realistic to people and have them really understand what it really takes. Okay. Because um, I think I said this to you earlier, like you can make every, anything like look presentable and pretty, uh -huh. but unless you can explain the value of it and what it actually is going to take to get to the end goal, um, you know, you could be like, yes, I want a personal trainer because they're going to make me fit, but if you're not willing to watch what you're eating or maybe you're not willing to do the cardio that's involved 
you're not going to get where you need to be or want to be. And that for me is super, super challenging. I think my husband thinks I'm nuts because I get super frustrated with that. Um, he's like, Sherry, it's your job. It's all part of it. You know, you should be happy that you have clients and you're working. And I think that I love it so much and I want so much for these people because I see their potential mm. and I see it to, in my head maybe it's a little easier for them to you know just eat lunch and you know and come to me after having had food in your stomach because you're gonna have such a hard time if you went through your day and you hadn't eaten anything since breakfast and now it's 5 p.m. and you're gonna spend an hour with me and it's gonna be a struggle. And that's, that's what I find challenging, is just to have them understand the, the actual process of what they need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And accept it. Kind and of. accept it and, accept and actually it. want to do it. And it's okay if they, they want to just keep you know going the way they're going and they're content with that. You know, that's the bottom line. Like They need to be happy with what they're doing and where they're getting with it. But if they expect more and they're kind of falling short on their end, like they're not doing their part of the work, that makes it so hard for me, you know? What's your uh, favorite challenge? Like, what's your, what's like, what's like one case where you're just like, oh man, I can't wait to like tackle this. You know, in, in your head, you're already imagining like three months down the road, like, you know, they're gonna feel like this or they're gonna see this result. Like, what kind of, you know, what's, yeah, what, like, what challenge do you really love tackling? Um, I feel like my husband should answer this question. <laughs> we were talking about this on the way here, and I had an answer, and his answer is probably more accurate. But um, my favorite part, um, my favorite challenge, probably is seeing the potential in the person and knowing what I can do to get them there and that they're capable of it and they're going to achieve that goal. Um, and they may think that, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'll ever run, you know, a half marathon. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you've done like all these five and 10 Ks and I can put the pieces together because I've done it, I've lived it, I've been through it and I know they're capable and they just don't see it yet and I show it to them and I show them they're capable and then they see it and oh my gosh, that's like the best. Do you show it to them um, through like aesthetics or do you show it to them through data? Um, lately with the job that I have, it's probably more data driven. Okay. Um, because I, the training programs I use for when I'm coaching. And then even through my job, um, we have tons of ways of showing you um, what your active metabolic assessment is, um, or your resting metabolic assessment, assessment, and just all kinds of data, like your BMI, your fat, body fat percentage. Um, so they can actually see, you know, say every month we'll retest your body fat percentage. They can see the changes. And that's, that in itself is just super motivating, you know? It's just, oh, I think most people need the accountability on top of that, otherwise it'd be so easy to just to go put yourself on a scale that told you all those things every month. But it doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah. They need the accountability, and they need the person telling them, you know, what to do or how to do it. What have you found that it's um, kind of, is there a common intrinsic value that you see in, in people that, um, that you work with? Or is, is it kind of just everyone has a different really uh, a different motivator or does everyone kind of is looking or searching for the same thing I feel like it's all different because okay. um, I mean it all depends on like for just a small variable is your age I mean suppose you're 20 and 
you are a girl and you really care about what your body looks like at that age, especially with the way society puts so much emphasis nowadays on what you look like as a woman. Um, I think that their goal, you know, a younger woman's goal is going to be so much different than maybe my male client who's 70 and has had cancer and a double hip replacement and really likes to enjoy his life now. He just wants to eat good food and maybe have a nice glass of wine at night, you know? Let's, um, I mean, is it is it fair to compare, like, in, in an age group, let's say from 35 to 45? Let's yeah. just throw an age group out there. Um, male and female, are they looking for different results or are they kind of looking for the same? Maybe if you look at the bigger picture, and especially in, like, an age group, I think most people just want to look better and feel better. I mean, look better could, and feel better. You could probably put it, yeah. like, categorize it that way. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, like, sometimes when, I guess, yeah, like, there, there are people who just want to look better and feel better. What about the, the clients or the people that you work with that, um, you know, have a race, an upcoming race, or, like, are really more into the endurance performance type of, um, you know, environment? Right. Um, how do you approach them? Is it different than the person who just wants to look better? It totally is. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. yeah. So how is that? What what type of um, you know framework do you do you work off for those people? So um, their their way of training is much more specific. Yeah. Because they're training towards say a specific goal. Um, like I have a client right now is training for an Ironman in the um, Canary Islands. So. If he goes out for a run, it has a purpose. You know, it's it's not just like I'm gonna go run my six miles today. No, you're gonna you're either gonna be in a certain heart rate zone, or you are going to do intervals, or you're gonna go out for a really long, slow, long, slow distance run. Like everything has a specific purpose for a specific reason. Um, now, if it was somebody who's you know in 35 to 45 and they're just they're doing strength training because they want to lose some weight and look better. Um, they're going to be on a plan or a training schedule and probably be pushing them to eat a little bit better and things like that, but um, it's, it's not as specific and as structured. Mm -hmm. um, that's what separates those two. Okay. Yeah. So in, can you kind of, um, I don't know, uh, guide us through, through the process of a very specific um, approach for someone who is going out to the Canary Islands, you know, um, being able to see Africa, you know, from from an island and, oh and, gosh, and yeah. still be on Spanish territory. Um, you know, how, how do you how do you work with someone like that? This certain person, just for example, is even harder than just your average athlete. Um, he he travels constantly for work, so mm -hmm. together, I mean. We work together to make it happen because his schedule is so limited. Um, but the approach we take is he does online coaching with me. Um, so it doesn't matter where he is, um, if he's in Dallas, Texas, or if he's in Las Vegas, um, Nevada, he'll his schedule is made for where he is. I ask him where he is, where he's going, where he's staying, what he is, you know, wow, available that's like to super him. Super personalized. It, it really is, yeah. yeah. Like, what gym is near you? Is there, you know, a Lifetime Fitness near you? What's by you? So I know what's available. Are you going to be able to run? Are you going to be able to bike? What kind of time do you have? I mean, he's in a little bit more extraordinary case, but, like, I have to be specific with him. And then every week, I mean, he's still, I think he's 
30. Does he give you out. access to his calendar or something? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have access to, um, you know, probably bi-weekly what his work schedule is. Yeah. And then um, he and I have a, um, a calendar that we share where I put all his workouts on with all right. their specifics. Once he does his workout, I get all that information immediately. Do you use any... Um, software for that like training peaks I use or? training peaks okay. yeah um, we use he has a Garmin watch um, so that's how I get the data okay um, I'm trying to think of what else we use um, Strava but it doesn't really apply it's, it's, it's a little different right yeah right but, cool yeah. wow all right um, so what what's your take do you do you because um, you know if whether you just want to look good or or are you performing for a specific event, like a triathlon, um, you know, you still need to fuel yourself, right, right. In, in terms of uh, nutrition. So do you have um, any special approach to that or do you work with a nutritionist that kind of like helps you out? Um, what's, your, what's your opinion around the nutrition space? Um, through my certification to be a triathlon coach, um, they kind of go in a lot of depth with nutrition and all different circumstances as an athlete. Um, but then as far as like being a personal trainer in, in that job, um, I'm not a certified nutritionist, um, but we have nutrition coaches available to us. So if it was something out of my spectrum as a personal trainer, I would probably refer them over. But as an athlete myself and working with athletes, I have a very good handle on what works and what doesn't, especially like for myself, for instance, I've had digestive problems since I was 16 years old. So what I may take is not what anybody's gonna take, you know, as a nutrition supplement for when I'm riding or, and stuff. So I guess you could say most of it's like through um, trial and error yeah. and self-taught uh -huh. and through tons of reading and tons of research to figure out what works best, you know? Mm -hmm. Because um, obviously we're all very different. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of experimenting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you definitely have, you have to have the patience for, for yeah. experimenting, right? Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people you work with sometimes are just not, not willing to kind of be patient and, um, yeah. you know, follow, follow that, that type of mentality? Or? It's harder probably with your, your, the person that's just looking to lose weight and get in shape. It, it's harder with them, to me anyway, um, than it is with an athlete. Because if, usually an athlete is pretty stuck on their, their goal. Not always, but usually. And especially, it depends on what level they are. I mean, if you've got an elite athlete, they're going to do what you tell them. And they're going to take what they need to take, and, and they're going to do it. A lot of times as a personal trainer on that end, and I'm not trying to knock it or the client, but it's not, um, and I'm not saying that they're not as like glued to their goal, it's just, it's harder. It's, it's a lot harder for some reason to get them to be as adhered towards the either eating healthy or not drinking the extra glass of wine. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nutrition is definitely personalized, you know, and something people, Sometimes they consider it as being a really top priority for them in terms of um, seeing some positive output results in, in training yeah. and in performance. Other times, people don't even, you know, 
I just, I'm gra- they're gonna listen. If if they really want a Snickers bar, they're just gonna grab a Snickers. They're gonna eat it. Like, there's nothing that's gonna change. You're it. totally right. You know, if they want yeah. a burrito, they're gonna eat a burrito. You yes. know, and like, if you're happy eating a burrito, okay, eat your burrito. <laughs> Be happy, you know? Sometimes people like stress out about it and and it's like, I think the stress causes more negative impact than like eating something like that that's considered unhealthy or something. You're totally right. You know, I mean, yeah, like, it's not good to eat a pizza, you know, a whole like large pizza. Yeah, it's not. You know, I mean, what, you know, what what, what good nutrients can you find in there? But, you know, if you just want a slice of pizza, eat it. You can put some hot sauce on it. I don't, don't know, whatever. punish yourself like, for it. Yeah, if yeah. you punish yourself for it, not only you're causing more like psychological harm because you're just like, you know, spazzing out about it, mm-hmm. and like your blood pressure is going up, and, and then you feel bad. Yeah. And you're and you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I ate that pizza last night, you know, and it's just yeah. it causes even more like negative results. Um, but yeah, cool. Okay, so what's in the future for you? Are you uh, are you gonna stay in, in um, you know in personal training? Are you um, are you looking for for anything anything else? You know any, I don't know something different. Uh, do you have any cool rides or challenges coming up? Um, as for racing, um, I'm not done with triathlon. Um, oh, you're not. No, I'm for okay. myself. Um, I haven't done one in a. I think it's been a good year or so now, two years maybe. Um, I decided to take a break and just really focus on my cycling, and I've gotten that where I want it to be. I'm super thrilled with my ability, but um, there were some extraordinary circumstances when I did my full Ironman in 2014. We had some of the worst weather that they'd ever, ever had at that race um, in Lake Placid, New York. So I feel like my time doesn't even matter to me there because it's just not what I'm capable of. So I definitely need to redeem myself. Um, When that's going to happen, I'm not sure. Um, I'll definitely keep riding and running and all that good stuff in the meantime. Um, But then as for a career, I don't know if I will ever not personal train. It's just a kind of me. Um, But what I do want to do is, like as I mentioned before, People with Parkinson's disease, um, it's just become such a near and dear thing to me. Um, Through riding with the Davis Finney Foundation, I have made so many amazing friends. um, And I even have more family than I realize that have Parkinson's disease. um, That it's kind of part of my passion. And I want to work with people on an exercise, you know, physical level um, who have neurological diseases. Oh, I think that's awesome. I think it's really cool. I think if I, my plan right now is to go back to school to get my massage therapy license. Uh-huh. Um, because what I'd like to do is be able to not just help my athletes, you know, if they're coming to me and they've got strains or pains or need some extra recovery, I can help them there. But I could also learn neuromo- neuro, neurological massage, neuromuscular massage, and um, be able to help the people who have Parkinson's or MS. I mean, they wake up with super stiff joints sometimes, and I just think that if they were able to find a way to help loosen themselves up or have somebody to do that for them, they would have a better quality of life. And yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> that's, that's that's really cool. I, I think that's a very targeted goal. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, one more thing. Do you have any tips for, for anyone listening out there? Um, you know, what what about if someone's kind of like, you know, they, they tried cycling or they tried running, um, they tried swimming, they tried a sport, yeah. but then for whatever reason, you know, they kind of, 
stop doing it, but they're kind of antsy and they, they kind of want to restart. Do you have any any motivation or any tips on how they can um, restart their, their passion? Yeah, I actually have a good one. Um, okay. So suppose you were a runner and you stopped and you know darn well in your head that you can run a really good mile. Like you have a great pace. Say you run a seven and a half minute mile and that's super to you. So you start running again and you're running like 10, 11 minute miles and now you're frustrated and bummed out because you're in your mind slow. My advice is to be patient. Patience is huge and take baby steps. Just be mindful that the speed will come. It's not always about speed. It's about the process of getting there and being patient with yourself. So basically don't give up and just give yourself a little bit more credit. Awesome. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank you so much for being on, on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a great story. Um, a lot of good tips for people, you know, and, and I think it will definitely resonate with, um, with a lot of people out there that are either training right now or they're, or they're looking to get back into it. Right. For sure. Um, so, yeah, um, that's about it, guys, for this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.